0: so glad for redemption. They've sung it down through the ages, but we're a part of the people that's been called in this last day, amen, who are the redeemed of the Lord, alive in our generation. I remember the scriptures said that to them that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. I think it means more than just being breathing, but I believe there's a people that's really living, that's really alive in Christ. Amen. That remains faithful and constant right to the end. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 33. and We'll read from the third verse for our scripture reading this morning. Appreciate each one of you that has come out to be in the service of the Lord today. Numbers 33 verse 3. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. On the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them upon their gods. Also, the Lord executed his judgment. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking this morning on the night of the exodus. As we just look further into the Word of God, and there's some things here that I want to bring out in the service today that has to do with this evening time that we're in. And um, it's certainly a, a great hour that we're living in, yet it's also a time of darkness, yet at the same time as paradoxical, it's a time of a great light. Because the Scripture said in the evening time after a day of darkness and dismal time it shall be light now Israel had received a prophet vindicated with a pillar of fire with signs as proof that he had a message from God you can't imagine God sending Moses down there and having not yet met with him no pillar of fire no vindication no sign no nothing that he was truly sin of God uh, you know, this would have never worked because um, uh, they had to be sure that this was God because this would bring on some times of great persecution even and great trouble and tribulations because of the message that, of deliverance that they had received. And so it would take uh, the vindication of God, first of all, to show that Moses was truly sent from God. Now, as the Exodus were approached, they were told, as we have been going through it, to take a lamb without blemish and apply its blood upon the doorpost and upon the lentil. And I think it's a wonderful parallel because we, too, have received the message that the Holy Ghost must be applied, even as Israel applied the blood, the token sign of the Holy Ghost, the literal life of Jesus Christ. Must be on display. And I, I don't think these things can be overemphasized because, as Brother Brandon would say, of the token message is a highlight of my ministry, my entire ministry. So I, I think if it's a highlight, you know, that's the focus. This is what God wanted to highlight in this day that there would be a people that would have his own life. And to have his own life would have his own attributes, his own his own signs, his own power. Now, so the token sign of the Holy Ghost, the literal life of Christ, must be on display. And then we as believers are in Passover, as we went through last week, that Passover is not just a feast that that we would partake of, but it it would be something that we are in continually, there, um, eating the lamb, taking of the unleavened bread, um, uh, preparing for the journey until the summons to come out. Now, I want to review again First Corinthians 5 and 7 because this scripture has been popping out to us as we have gone along. Remember, this is a scripture that would open up to Brother Branham there after seeing the vision of the binding. Of the, of the, of the, the, the deadliest snake, he said, if you bind this one, you bind everything underneath him. And so this is of something very key to us being able to bind the death angel in this day. And that is that we are in a continual communion or Passover with the Lord. That it's not uh, as uh, was often thought if i just get the holy ghost you know if i just get that initial experience if i just if i just um, you know feel the presence of god if it just comes down on my flesh if if it just obeyed uh, over my spirit uh, you know I, I everything's okay i i can be i can be done with it i can kind of just sit back and rest on my laurels and and, uh, you know, sit back in my pew and just pretend, you know, that everything is is okay. But it's not that way at all because it brings you into a time of Passover, into a fellowship with God, and it is a continual fellowship. It's not something that, that just is one initial experience. And I want to encourage every person in here, who's had an experience with God to seek for another one. To seek for a fresh and up-to-date experience with God. That it's not just, just something you got at the altar 20, 40 years ago, but it's a renewing of the Holy Ghost and a constant refreshing in his presence. And I think this is very important that we understand that, that we cannot, none of us, can allow our, ourselves to get in a place of doldrums and lukewarmness and the, and where we're dilatory and slothful and lazy and laodicea alike but we must be a people where he said if any man will open the door i will come in and i will sup with him and he with me that there will be Uh, The Lord's Passover, this is a, a fellowship meal with the Lord that you enter into a relationship with God. So it's not just an experience, but it's a relationship that you enter into. So he said, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Notice, keep the feast. Paul is not saying this is a day. This is one a, once a week. This is something that we do once a month. This is something that we do once a year, as Israel would do. But let us keep the feast. It is a continual feast. All right? Not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This hour, it, it is calling for transparency. It is calling for dedication and sincerity. Notice on this night in, in Egypt, um, I, I can just imagine among the, the encampment of the Jews down in Goshen, there is not anyone out on the streets. There has been no curfews that's been imposed by the Egyptians, but there's no parties going on. There's no drinking. There's no carousing. There's no going in and out. It's not running to the neighbor's house and back and forth. But all the Israelites have applied the blood and have closed the door. They have entered into a, a time where There's no going in and out, no up and down, no no um, you know in the someone with their foot still out in the world and their heart out in the world and maybe part of them in a Passover, but no everybody's shut inside. Amen. The Passover lamb has been accepted and is in there being eaten. Leaven, which is a type of sin, has been removed now. Let me explain this to our, our young people. You wonder what leaven is. Leaven is it's like a sourdough. It's a yeast that is put in in the in the meal in the in the flour, and you put it in there, and it it starts expanding and growing and growing, and it puffs up the bread and makes it, you know, pleasurable and and light. What we call light bread, and you know, it it can be it, it makes some. Um, Uh, instead of being a flat bread which is seemingly real plain it becomes a, a real puffed up and easy to eat and and it's a type of sin that's what it is it's a type of sin and it don't take much leaven or much sin to leaven the whole lump because what happens is is that it begins to grow. You let sin come in in one form, it just continues to grow and expand and gets bigger and a bigger. Now, it's kind of like Brother Branham had described um, the, um, uh, the, the maniac there at Gadara. And he said he'd he done one little sin. Maybe he told a lie, and then that one led to another. That one led to another until he was now had legions of demons. He had invited them one at a time to come in until he is now totally possessed. So you see, a little bit of leaven, starting out with just a little devil, may have opened a way for another devil. And it opened up another devil until he became, uh, he became not even known by who he was, but but known by the devils that had possessed him. His name became Legion, Right? Amen. But anyway, again, you know, there, there was no leaven. The, the Word is nothing added to it. There's no creeds to puff it up. No man's wisdom added to it. No schools of theology putting their own ideas into it and, and, and making it an easier gospel to swallow. But just the plain, simple gospel of Jesus Christ in its saving power, in its life giving measures. Are you with me? Amen. So, again, you know, no leaven, a type of sin, is removed. The staff is in the hand, the shoes are on the feet, they're ready to leave, preparations being made. Now, Brother Bradham said this, and who do you say this is? We're in a critical hour. How many would grieve that we're there? Amen. Amen. The, the world is, but the church. The real church, not the denomination, but the church itself is ready for the greatest triumph it ever made, the coming of the groom to the bride. So here we are, you know, in a critical hour, but what an hour we are are in for the church. It's the greatest triumph it ever made. My, every age has been waiting for this time as Israel would have been talking about, no doubt when they, when they arrived there in Egypt and then the taskmasters came and the, the people began to long, oh, that we had a, could go back to our homeland. Oh, that we could return back. Oh, that we could go. You know, here again, we're at a point where we're looking at this world and we're beginning to say, Lord, we want out of here. We're getting, we want to leave this place. We believe there's a homeland that we heard about, that Abraham saw a city whose builder and maker is God and wherein dwelleth righteousness. And we want to go to that land. We're tired of the sickness and the sorrow and the death and perpetuating the ages. man, We want to see it all finished up. And there's a longing in our hearts that, to hear that we are in an exodus. Amen. Now, this time of Passover is where we're at, and you must have the presence of the Lord in your dwelling, that's a church, in your home, and in your body. We are in Passover, and we're not to leave it until we're called out of this dimension into that great exodus when the trumpet sounds. But I want you to know, it's a very dark night. And we can hear the sounds and the screams coming from every level of society. And it's trying to come in and permeate. It's like, like a, you know, once a demon has been cast out of a person, even sickness, you know, it, it still wants to come back, knock on the door with fear or with doubt or, or some kind of frust- frustration. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. He comes back and he knocks but you've got to keep the good man of faith there holding the door shut. Amen. Standing behind the token and saying no, I was delivered of that and I'm not taking that thing back. Amen. I'll never receive that thing again. I know what it means to be free and I'm not going back to its slavery and its bondage again. How many feels that way this morning? Amen. Now Of course in this hour of darkness uh, it was a great hour of darkness that Moses when he came to Israel it was in their darkest hours and there was a Janus and Jambres the Bible said that withstood Moses and I want you to realize why they withstood Moses they came to try to produce signs to make his look like it meant nothing They come along with with signs themselves to try to devalue the voice of God. They came along, Janice and Jambres, with their impersonation. Remember, they're the ones that would throw down their rod and it would become a serpent too. Amen? They would would be ones who would imitate or impersonate what Moses was doing to try to detract from the message that God has sent and caused a hardness of heart among the Egyptians. Amen. But it not only caused a hardness of heart among the Egyptians, it even caused Israel to doubt. It even caused them to fear. It even caused them to wonder. And I, want, I just want you to understand that we're in a time where 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 there's a lot of things that are going on because the message of God has been withstood by every kind of thing you can imagine. Amen. And the enemy has come in in every way. He comes in through every kind of voice to try to discredit the messenger and his message. Amen. It causes, uh, as, as we're right here on the verge of the Exodus, and, and Peter would tell us, Peter would tell us, right here at the Exodus, scoffers would arise. Amen. And these scoffers would arise saying, where is the sign of his coming? You see, causing people to doubt the sign. Amen. To doubt the voice and to doubt the message. But I'll tell you, there is no greater message than a message that will bring you into fellowship with Christ in the Passover and put sin aside. Amen. And bring you in love with Jesus Christ and with his word. There's no greater message than that. Amen. Now, I want you to, as we look at this, because remember, they had their impersonations. And they were able to convince many not to get under the blood. Think about it. Janice and Jambres were able to convince many not to really get under the blood. This is a time of darkness when impersonators will abound. What an hour to be living in. I just want to go over just a little history as we relate to this age and this night that we're in. We'll talk about that in a minute because some will disagree with me that this is night. But I just want to make you understand morning doesn't come until the sun rises. And until Jesus comes, morning ain't here yet. So we're in a time of Darkness. It's a time of great darkness upon the earth. Now we're not of that darkness, and we do have light. Come on, Amen. Israel is there with light in their dwellings, and they're eating the Passover. But outside, on the other side, the blood is all darkness everywhere. Is that right? It's a dark night. And there's every kind of hoodlums and every kind of eerie spirits and every kind of creepy thing. And let me tell you, it's only worse in this day because the Bible speaks of a coming out of the river Euphrates in Revelation 9 that are released, given permission, supernatural demons. You can read it in the Bible. 300 million of them, more coming in this age than what there's ever been. So all of sin and darkness heaped up, plus things that have been bound, loosed. God permitted them to come to bring about this end time. To bring about this evil age that we're in. And Satan now has a Satan's Eden. Now every kind of thing is right at your fingertip for every sin, every kind of darkness, every kind of evil is right there. It permeates your mind, your thinking, your attitudes, and you are having to wrestle. You are having to wrestle with things that are being said in the world today that science is saying, that education is saying, that society is saying. Every kind of darkness trying to get in your doors. Come on, you got to have the blood applied. Amen. If you don't have the blood applied, let me tell you, you young people going to college, you don't have the Holy Ghost, it'll sweep you right away. You'll get in these liberal arts and they'll change your thinking, change your attitude, and, and morph, you, morph you into a demon yourself. It'll happen without the Holy Ghost. You'll become a legion. Now, not only that in school, Wherever you are, it's part of the society that we're living in. Now it's a time of darkness. Impersonations abound, but I want to go back to this. What an hour to be delivering, to be to be living in a time of deliverance. The angel of the Lord we have had in this generation has visited a, a little Kentucky preacher and held, heralded one of the greatest divine healing moves ever to forerun the second coming of Christ to prepare a people for an exodus. Amen. Now, this would happen, and God would say and, and sound out of heaven, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, You're sent with a message to forerun the second second coming of Christ. This would be resounded there among the the Pentecostals in the meetings there in 1946, 1947, on and on and on. These these prophecies would would break out and, and, and announce that this man was coming with a message that would forerun the second coming of Christ that would prepare a people for an exodus. Now, 1955, and I'm going back on a little bit of history, but I I want you to understand this because I pondered a lot. I pondered a lot about what happened in the divine healing movement and why that it died, why that it just went out to nothing and men went right back out into organizations worse than what they were. Amen. Most of them, it didn't help a bit. It made them worse than what they were. They want to talk about William Branham getting off at the end, you know, because of, of him bringing the, the word to us. Let me tell you about Oral Roberts and him getting out on the end. Amen. A.A. Allen and him getting off at the end. Amen. Jack Cole and him getting off at his end. And, and, uh, and O.L. Jaggers and him getting off, in his, off his end. They, they don't talk about that. Amen. But because Brother Branham wouldn't go with the flow of denomination, he got off. Right. Wonder what happened to A.A. Allen who died a drunk. Yeah. Or uh, Ol or Roberts who God was threatening him with his life, you know, to, build a, with, to raise millions of dollars for him before he left and make pleas for money and died in disgrace. Impersonators, their follies have been made known. None of them had a message. Every one of them, none of them have a message. And only the, the one, the man who the angel came to wound up with a message. And that message is going to turn somebody's heart. I believe it's turning our hearts back to the faith again. Are you with me? Now, in 1955, Brother Brandon was taking consideration of his ministry. Divine healing campaigns by this time in less than a decade had turned into who has the biggest tent or who has the most subscribers to their magazine. Or You see, it become all about preacher's ego and kingdom building. Yet the man who had the angel come to, to him and was the most gifted William Branham had no magazine, he had no tent, and he had no, he had no tent, he had no magazine, and he had no organization. I want you to think about this. Now, because this man was set apart from all the others, every one of them, even Jack Cole, when he'd talk about it in the meeting, he said, now tomorrow night, Brother Branham will be here. He was revered and honored among all of them as being the man who inspired the whole movement. Brother Branham talked about it. He said, I had a magazine. He said, you know, when I started out, you know, they come to me and said, be good to take some of the money raising and campaigns and start a little magazine to publish what God is doing and let people know. And he said, one day while I was praying, God gave me the name voice of healing. And he said, it'll rank right with my ministry, the voice of one crying in the wilderness and so forth. And I gave it the name, voice of healing. So he said, God gave me the name for that, voice of healing. It coordinates with my ministry. As a voice of one, John the Baptist, who was crying in the wilderness, outside of the denominational ranks and saying, come out of her. Amen. Come to the Lord. Yet William Branham would actually, he had s- signed his paper over to Gordon Lindsay and even gave his organization, The Voice of Healing, away. He signed it over to Gordon Lindsay along with his tent. And, and he would actually, actually have to rent his own tent from The Voice of Healing. Right. This is actually true. This is history. Brother Branham said himself, and I'm just quoting him, he said, I started in, I organized a little paper called The Voice of Healing, and, and they still have it here. Well, I found out in it that then there was a lots of finances and things hooked up to it, and I washed my hands of that stuff a long time ago, so The Voice of Healing is not my paper. I have nothing to do with it, not at all. That belongs to Brother Lindsay And at Shreveport, Louisiana, And come to find out, I got into that and I thought I was getting out of organizations and I got into one. And it was just almost just organized down to every one of them in there. And and I belong to, but he said, I belong to just the Lord Jesus. And then I can come and go where I wish to and where he leads to me, I can be free. So this man, William Branham was so humble and so sincere, too sincere and too dedicated to God, to manage a big organization. They thought, and the historians look back on his life and, and they, th- they talk about him being too Ill- illiterate or too naive or perhaps they even insinuate he was too stupid to build a huge kingdom for himself. And you, you know, if you just look at it in, in a way, here's a man more gifted than all of them can build the biggest kingdom. The greatest, have the greatest name out there, have the biggest following, have the most money. And he refused to build it up because he wants to be true to God in his message. And he don't want to build another kingdom. And He's not looking for a following. And he's not worried about a newspaper and being, having the most subscribers and the most famous because he knows what a get a preacher is money women and popularity and so he shuns it all the man gave up his own paper the voice of healing that god gave him the name of gave his tent up to gordon and, and the voice of healing then paid rent on his own tent i'm telling you the truth 1955 he would actually abruptly quit and go home because there was not enough money to cover the campaigns. He was out in California and was $15,000 in debt. That's equivalent to $130,000 in today's money. Now, Wikipedia reports that during the subsequent investigations, it was found that his manager, Gordon Lindsay, was actually skimming off most of the money for his own use. You know, Brother Branham didn't want it, so I'll put it to use. So it was reported that Brother Branham had a salary of $7,000 while Lindsey made $80,000 to manage the campaign. Today's money, Brother Branham would make a salary of $62,000 a year while Lindsay pocketed $750,000 a year and would, and all of this went to build the Christ for the Nations in Dallas Texas and its Bible school because uh, Lindsay would change the name of it from Voice of Healing to Christ for the Nations now it wasn't at all that God had failed to provide it was that men with their own greed and agendas were misusing the funds and by now the field was so crowded with impersonators each one of them touting who had the biggest tent The biggest magazine with the most subscribers, the biggest, you know, the and the and the man with the greatest gift, who was visited by the message or by the angel with the real message was pushed aside by the masses, and the masses followed the impersonators rather than the real one that went out first. And the rest only copied. I'm getting somewhere. I'm going to try to bring something down to you about this. These impersonators arose. You know, Orr Roberts had come to Brother Branham in, in, uh, in Brother Branham's tent. Brother Branham would tell about it. The ministry of Orr Roberts. First time I remember the first time I met Orr Roberts, a little ragged tent sitting on the other side. I was in I was in Kansas City, Kansas, and he was in Kansas City, Missouri. And We met around behind the stage, and he shook hands with me and said, Brother Brandon, do you think God would answer my prayers for the sick? And I said, he'll answer anybody's prayer for the sick. We got our pictures together. It's an old copy of The Voice of Healing, if many of you have it. And that's how Oral got started out. Look how his ministry growed, and now into millions and millions and millions of dollars, now building a big school of theology. And Oral would go out and impersonate. As you know, God gave Brother Branham a sign in his left hand. Well, Oral comes out claiming the power of God in his right hand. And turn it, you know, and of course, if the power of God's in anybody's hand, it takes away from the virtue of Christ. The power of God is not in a man, the power of God is in is in the word. Amen. Now, so again, you know, then then of course. Oral would turn off to a prosperity gospel, promoting the planting of a seed of faith in his ministry, sending him money. God will bless you financially in return. He would join himself to the Methodists and deny his Pentecostal roots. And finally, finally, he would end his ministry with a with a false vision of a nine hundred foot tall Jesus telling him to build um, a great building, and then and then later God would. Um, would tell him, uh, supposedly tell him that if he didn't ra- raise uh, three million dollars, that his, he, his, his life would be taken. And, and so, you know, he, he began to you know move on his uh, subscribers to, to put, send in money to keep him from dying. And the man ends in disgrace. Jack Coe, we've talked about him, his meeting of Brother Branham. He would have to admit William Branham was sent here for dispensational purposes. Jack Cole with his big ego, starting out a little humble man, but then his ego grew. and his quest to be the best, he would go and measure all Robert's tent and build one, one foot bigger so he could boast of having the biggest tent and the biggest magazine with the most subscribers and in 1956, he would die of, uh, of um, uh, he, he would get sick over here in, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and go back to Texas and die, just a young man, 38 years old, and die of, of, um, of a horrible disease. And, and his ministry would end and, and just go into shatters. Started out a little Pentecostal preacher, Assembly of God. Another, another minister, A.A. A. Allen, an Assembly of God, began with his tent, began being arrested for drunkenness, finally found dead at the age of 59. The police found his body in a room strewn with peels and empty liquor bottles. And so they, they, they concluded after a 12 day investigation and autopsy. The coroner's report was Alan died from a liver failure brought on by acute alcoholism. He had enough blood to alcohol content of 0.36, which was to ensure a deep coma. This is how he comes to his end. The Bible said their folly will be made known. Now, if this wasn't enough, now, the Pentecostals started manufacturing tongues and impersonated the gift of tongues by confusing the language. Rather than having the experience of Pentecost, they began to have um, where they would teach you how to speak in tongues. you shake your chin and say Jesus over and over again real fast until you had a confusion of language. This is not Pentecost. This was an impersonation. Now, remember, we're talking about impersonations arising And impersonators, O.L. Jaggers, he was another assembly of God preacher, was so inspired by the miracles that he saw in Brother Brandon's meeting. No doubt these men would start off humbly, but seeing that he could be enriched by the crowds that were attracted, not having an angelic visitation or the gifts, he starts promoting the sale of blood and oil that he got from a woman's body and sold it for the purpose of healing. Next, he's selling and marketing vitamins from the Dead Sea and then baptizing unto eternal life, claiming that those he would baptize would never die, that they, 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 would ne- they could never physically die. They, was, they would be not baptized into eternal life. Now, Brother Branham in Tyson spirits talks about this, and he's dealing with all of these impersonations, and this is 1955, that he mentions this. He said, people can jump up and down and shout all night and speak in tongues like pouring peas on a dry cow hide and walk out in the morning with enough temper to fight a buzzsaw and go right on and tell something in the church that'll cause the whole church to be broke up is nothing in the world but enticing demon spirits. Oh, did you hear that? That's what we're having we're to face in this in this time of darkness, enticing spirits, seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils that all come out in the night of this Exodus. He said they go right out and tell something that break up the whole church and nothing in the world but enticing demon spirits. Want to come back to the word for God is purity. Amen. That's right, enticing spirit. And that verse in the Word of God, there's a man not long ago got a little woman. This was O.L. Jaggers he's talking about. He said the Catholic's got a dozen over there. In the time of her menopause, she comes out in her hands and, and her forehead. And if a good Holy Ghost preacher, I thought, that man had a bottle of that stuff out of her hands going around anointing people with it. Mercy, it's Antichrist. I don't care if the blood comes from her nose or her head or where Brother, it's no blood that will take the place of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the only blood I know. She may have had oil pour out of one hand and wine out of the other, but you use it in any form of religion, it's the devil. Just see how preachers will fall for such as that. What we need is to come back to the guidebook, back to the Word of God, this is the Word of God, this blessed old Bible. said, so, well, I, I'm afraid to become that, Brother Branham. I, I'm afraid I'll lose some of my joy. He said, what's the matter? You don't know what joy is. So this, this is what Brother Branham said. I'm not trying to take away your joy. I'm trying to get your joy in a real experience with God. And then Tyson's spirit says, hey, he said, I don't condemn a drunkard for going out and getting drunk. He's all moody and he don't know. He gets up in the morning, he's got the blues, a hangover, and goes out and gets him two or three bottles of beer. And goes out and gets him some whiskey and all kinds of stuff. Little old cigarette sucker, sit back and smoke and blow it through his nose like he was a freight train. I don't blame him. That's all the joy he knows. That's all he knows about. He's a pig by nature. But shame on you who profess to be a Christian and rely on such things for joy when the Holy Ghost is nothing but one great big powerhouse of joy. The Holy Ghost is a perfect intoxication for every man that's got the booze. You can take a, you'll drink a drink of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're drunk until you leave this world. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a constant stimulation. It's a constant intoxication. Drunk day and night. Amen. That's the Word of God. I tell you, it's time some of us that are in this Passover take another good drink of the wine, of the life, the blood of Christ, and get a new refilling of the Holy Ghost and stay drunk on that. Where it changes your vision of the world changes your vision about sin and iniquity and the things that are going on and gives you a view like God has because you're influenced by the wine that you're drinking. Now, because of the impersonators, now Brother Branham is ready to quit the ministry. He has a vision of the third pull, the tenth vision. We're not going to go and cover all of that. But I want you to remember that when he comes into that third pull of his ministry, he sees a place, a little room where miracles are being performed in this little room out of the view in the eyes of the impersonators. So he's telling us the third pull, when you really come into this work, when you really get into Christ, nobody can impersonate that. Said they've impersonated these other gifts, but this, they will never impersonate. Satan will never get it. Now, but he also saw the church had come away, had, had to come away from the uh, carnal impersonating the Holy Ghost because now this is what was happening. They were impersonating the gifts and they were impersonating the Holy Ghost and Pentecost had turned into a huge, a huge row of just impersonations. They're impersonating the Holy Ghost down at the altar, bringing, a, bringing about a, a forced confusion of language. You know, hitting them on the head and saying Jesus over again and taking their, their chin and, and jiggling it until they get a, a, a confusion of language and call that the Holy Ghost. And yet they don't have that hidden life. Yet they never enter into Passover. As Brother Branham said, meaner, some mean they come out there, you know, meaner than and, and, and with a temper than fight a buzzsaw. There's no nature change. That's what he's trying to say. But in this, Brother Brandon began to preach on why Pentecost failed. He would look at the whole thing, the whole divine healing movement, and he said, Here's why it failed. And I and I like I said, I've pondered. I've looked at it a lot of times. How come it how come it came up and, and then died? How come it rose up in just a little short time? They all melt back in organizations. Why is it that the great campaigns would just in or and out? And he would see it, that they would have more emphasis on, on money than the altar call. And then he began to preach on why Pentecost failed. And in this message, he's preaching about adoption. And he says they wouldn't grow up into Christ but we're just perpetuating their babyhood. I want to get something to you. This Passover is not perpetuating your babyhood. It's not just remaining an infant Christian, immature all the time. It's growing in Christ. It's maturing in Christ. It's it's gathering strength from the Lamb. you're, You're not staying in the weakened condition. Remember, I talked about the little old woman, the 90-year-old, laying in the bed, granny that's dying, granny eat a bite of this lamb. She didn't remain the same. Strength came into her for the journey. And I'm trying to tell you, you know, you cannot remain a weak Christian with a stunted growth in your life. Amen. But it must be a constant fellowship and a strengthening and growing, going from strength to strength and from glory to glory. Remember, Paul said it that way. He didn't say you looked in the word and you get weaker and weaker. He said you look in the mirror of this word and you are changed from glory unto glory. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you know, all of us we need to reach out for another glory. The glory of yesterday was great. But it's time for another glory. You say, well, Brother Tim, you know, you you told me the other day and convinced me, oh, I have the Holy Ghost. That was Him working there and whatever. Listen, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm trying to tell you you've got to have a constant fellowship with Christ. Not a one and done experience. You see, Ephraim wanted to. He would explain it Ephraim wanted to plant corn in Manasseh's field. In other words, everybody wanted a healing ministry for the money and the fame that went with it. But what they needed was to grow up into the fullness of the Holy Ghost. He preached a message, one of my favorite sermons. If you want to go to it, it's not my most favorite, but one of the greatest ones that I have fed over and, and pondered over and wrote out notes on and, just bathed in all through the years is the impersonation of Christianity. And their brother Branham would tell us that the Christian life was being impersonated by claims of shaking the preacher's hand or easy believism or some kind of fanatical sensation yet lives were not changed. Instead there was a cheap impersonation of the gospel. Now remember Everybody's not going in the exodus. It's only for the elected. I, I realize in that exodus there was a mixed multitude that went, but that ain't the way it's going to be in this exodus. Only the elect of God is going in the rapture. Amen. Amen. Now this is what Brother Branham said in, in the rapture message. He said, now, so are you. If you've got eternal life, you were not God before there ever was a world. You're a part of Son of God, an attribute of God. He knew the very age you were coming. He predestinated you to that age. Somebody ought to take comfort in that. Amen. To take that place and no one else can do, take it care how many impersonation and things, you got to be there because he knew you would be there. Now you are made manifest. And now you can fellowship with him. And that's what he wants. He's longing for fellowship, to be worshipped. But if your life did not always was an attribute in God, you're just a mimic of Christianity. And there will be millions and billions of them that will just be mimics of Christianity. And I'll tell you, we got billions we're claiming Christianity today and they're just mimics cheap reproductions imitations impersonations but i read of a rapture where somebody's going to be real and that's what gives me some hope for you and you and you and you and you that there's somebody going to be real in this age there's somebody going to be like Enoch, whose name was dedicated, who walked with God. Amen. Now, so Brother Branham would preach the hidden life with Christ. The same, the same thing. He, he, he would name it a lot of different things. He would show why the people, why some can't keep the victory. That's another title. And he, and he explained their manna isn't lasting. They're, you know, what, what they're eating on, they're running out of it. It's going stale and breeding worms, right? And he says, their light, They're light, it keeps going out. And, and because he said, you know, it has to, it, it, it just has to have a constant care to the lampstand and it keeps going out. But he said, you know, but come, he said, into the holiest of holies. Notice, into the secret place. Come into the house. Come there behind the token. Come and and shut the door and the world sealed off. The veil closed. Come behind the veil and there, there's a pot of manna that is the same manna that was there on the day of Pentecost. And this manna never runs out. And it never grows old. It never gets stale. It's always fresh. Come into the inside. Come into this inside with Christ. Because in here, the light doesn't go out. It's the Shekinah glory. And it never fades. It never dims out. It never grows. It never has to have a a refilling, uh, you know, of oil to keep it going. It's always constant. The light, the Holy Ghost. Amen. In there behind the veil, as he would explain it, even a dead stick could come to life and blossom and bloom. And you can come there dead, amen, in your sins and trespasses and come through the washing of the water of the Word and then there behind the veil. And once you come in that veil, you can't remain dead. Amen. But you're going you're gonna to be like Aaron's rod. You'll blossom and bear fruit, and that's what God's wanting in this hour of people that are producing his life. This is the age of the literal life of Christ. This shows that we must be in Passover, sealed away with Christ, where you're sealed in, Satan's sealed out, with a constant fellowship with Jesus. Amen. This shows that the hidden life where one is in Passover, will not be impersonated. Man, you might impersonate one or two little things, but you can't live the hidden life. Now, the life of Christ must be present. Now, the commandment was you stay in the house and don't leave. Eat on the lamb under the protection of the blood until you're called out in the rapture. This must be eating in a state of preparedness and ready to go. And from the slaying of the lamb, of the Passover lamb at Calvary. Now, I want you to take it back. Paul said, Christ is our Passover. So now, from from taking the lamb slain until he comes back, we are in Passover. Amen. Amen going back again. All the way from there till now we're not, to eat unle- we're not to eat leavened bread. Come on. We're not to partake of sin. We're to be in fellowship with Christ. We're to drink of his Holy Spirit. And this would happen from Calvary to now. Every member of the bride of every age had to come in this relationship. Now so you see, and, and from Calvary to now, from the time of the, the slaying of the Lamb and the, and the sending of Christ and him going away, it has been night. And we must stay in Passover until the trumpet sounds in the morning. Now, look in ex- Exodus 12 and verse 22. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin. Strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that's, on, that's in the basin. And none of you, none of you, can I say it again? None of you shall go out at the door of his house unto morning. So notice, you have the blood. You don't need snake oil. Amen. You don't need an impersonation. We have the blood. And if you don't have the blood... Get out of that and find somewhere that the blood is. Amen. We have the Holy Ghost, and it must be applied. Strike the doorposts, the two side posts. Strike the lentil. Amen. With the blood that's in the basin. Oh, now, listen, I'm quoting this from Brother Branham. If you're sick, you see the working of the Holy Spirit. Don't think you have to have, oh, Brother Jones, pray for me to have more faith. You got it. Just take the simple of weed just found anywhere and apply the blood. So you don't need more faith. Right. 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 Amen. You don't need me to pray for you so you'll have more faith. Right. You need to take the faith you got and apply the blood. Right. Amen. Oh, God, that's it. It's, something, it's not something superstitious or something dango you go through. That isn't it. It's just simple childlike faith to apply the blood. Believe it with all your heart, and it'll happen. Hallelujah. Amen. What a word that is. Just believe it with all your heart, and it'll happen. Amen. Not, Not somebody come lay hands on me and give me that faith. No, take that faith that you have, and start applying the blood. Just start putting the blood on things. Put it on your sickness, you'll be healed. Put it on your sin, you'll be saved. Whatever it is, put the blood by faith. Amen. And none of you, none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Now watch, this is important. Brother Brandon would preach the sermons Watchman, what of the night? He would do this from Isaiah twenty-one, eleven. The burden of Duma. He called it to me out of Seir. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman saith, the morning cometh and also the night. If you inquire, inquire ye. Return, come. Brother Branham would preach from this sermon or this uh, this passage in Isaiah. Watchman, what of the night? Because he's establishing we're in the night, but there's a morning coming, and that's where I want you to look at today. Is, is uh, you know no matter how dark it is, no matter how many impersonations, demons run into the street, and the death angel is howling everywhere. But oh, brother, the 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 night will not last all the time. There's a morning coming. Amen. And we're right here in the last watch before the morning dawns. Oh, hallelujah. We're in a time, I mean, dawn is a time where it's morning, yet it's night. It's morning, yet it's night. It's morning, yet it's night. You get up early in the morning, For the sun is up, you say it's morning. Good morning, everybody. Well, you know, you know it's not light outside. The sun ain't up. It's still dark, but yet it's morning. And we're in the wee hours of the morning on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise, and we're in the morning. We're in the dawn. Hadn't yet broke yet. The dead in Christ ain't here yet. He hadn't come yet. But he's announcing his coming. And he's forerunning his coming. And he's telling you, the day is about to dawn. Be awake. It's not a time to sleep. Watchmen, what of the night? Now, the Jews had three watches. They would last respectfully from 10 p.m., from sunset to 10 p.m., from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., from 2 a.m. to sunrise. So that would be the third watch, from 2 a.m. to sunrise. And then with the establishment of the Roman supremacy, the number of watches increased to four. And this is what you'll read about in the in the New Testament, when you hear about the case of the fourth watch in Matthew 14, 25, and, or the terms even of midnight, cock crowing, and morning, And these would terminate respectfully at 9 p.m. And then at midnight, 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So their mornings or their watches was different. And I want to get it to you. Our watch, the watch of this night is different. It is seven watches because each age had a watch and a watchman. And each messenger of every age would bring a message of the condition of the night. Now the rapture message, Brother Branham tells us, notice Enoch, the type of the church Here he's also typed in the seventh church age. Can you think of that? The seventh church age. Notice at the sounding of. How many believes are seven messengers for the seven churches? Oh, we'll all believe it if we believe the Bible. If we don't believe the Bible, of course, we don't believe it. But there has been. And we're living in the seventh church age. And when the Bible said this seventh church age when the messenger of this seventh church age begins to sound his message, that the mysteries, all all these things that's been twisted up all down to the age would be revealed in that time. And here we see it, the Son of Man coming among his people doing exactly and confirming his message as he said he would do. And here we find it in this last age, and the seven watches, notice, seven watches like the seven watch of one come. He didn't come in the first watch, second watch, third, fourth, but come in the seventh watch. That was Enoch, the seventh, which was translated. Noah, being a type of the remnant of the Jews, is to be carried over. Now, in the Bible times, talking about the watches, and the nights were not delivered into hours in, in Bible time. The night was not, the, was not divided into hours in Bible time. It was divided in watches, and there were three watches, but in hours, there's seven it's night, but morning comes. None of you go out of the door till morning. Until morning finally gets here. Until the trumpet sounds, don't get out from behind the bud. Stay in Passover. Eating the lamb, I Passover, and keeping the leaven out. But it's not morning yet. The world is in darkness, and we've got light because of the seventh, the seventh star and the seventh golden candlestick. Now, I know there are some that are getting in a hurry saying, well, the night's already over. We're no longer even in the church ages, but that's not true. Some want to pretend they've already been raptured also, that the Lamb has left the mercy seat because the seals are open, but that ain't true. That's impersonator's. We're still in the night of the church ages. We are as morning stars reflecting and announcing the coming day. Amen. The morning isn't fully here until the dead in Christ rises. So I'm just telling you, we don't leave the seventh angel's message. On the, we stay in the house under the token until the trumpet sounds. Amen. Yet our, our watchman was like a morning star is forerunning and announcing the coming sun so so this message was a, a forerunning of the coming of the morning of the resurrection and the literal coming of jesus christ oh my that's why this is why there are stars and lampstands i many remembers in revelation chapter one i many remembers that in the bible where that one and two, it tells about seven golden candlesticks, and seven stars, right? Amen. We know that reply, that, that speaks of seven church ages, seven lamps of fire, right? All of these things that, that are speaking of. And Brother Bradham would tell us in the Patmos vision, he stands amidst the lampstands with the stars in his hands. Remember, seven stars in the hands of Jehovah. It's night, for that's when we use lamps for light. And that is when the stars are seen shining and reflecting the light of the sun. And it's dark, and the church is walking by faith in the darkness. Her Lord has departed from the earth, but the Holy Spirit still shines through the church. You see, the sun left. The Son of God ascended. And we went into a time of the absence of the sun, And in his absence, he would send seven stars, seven messages. Come on. He would send seven lampstands. All it is to give light in his absence. So as long as he's not here, amen, I we've got to have the stars for light. Till the sun rises. Until Jesus comes back. So now... He said, "Our Lord departed this earth, but the Holy Spirit is still, shines out to the church, giving light to this old sin world. And these stars reflect His light also. The only light they have is His light. How dark it is. How spiritually cold. Yet when He comes into the midst, it's light and warm, and the church is empowered, and through Him does the works that He did. He would say again in the Ephesian church age, he is, there he is with seven stars in his right hand. The right hand or arm signifies the power and authority of God. Psalms 44 and 3, for they got not the, the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast favor unto them. In that, in that right hand of power are seven stars. We who according to Revelations 1:20, are seven church messengers. They're angels to the church, messengers, angelos, earthly messengers. This signifies that the very power and authority of God are behind His messenger to every age. And they go forth in fire and power of the Holy Ghost with the Word. They're stars because they reflect light. And the light they reflect is His light. And they have no light of their own. They kindle not their own fires, that man may walk in the light of their sparks. Isaiah 51, or 11, it is night, for that is when the stars come out. It is is night of the blackness of sin, for even the whole world has sinned and are constantly falling short of the glory of God. There you are. So watchman, what of the night? And he said, the Holy Spirit is that watchman. Now I want you to notice seven spirits of God anointing seven messengers. Amen. One Holy Spirit manifests himself in seven different ways to seven different church ages. Amen. We have been under the watchman of the Holy Ghost. God using his messengers to tell us and warn us of the dangers of the night. Are you with me? Amen. Luther would do that and tell them, there, I see a, a, a dark horse coming, and he's selling novenas, and he's selling this, and he's selling that. Don't go following after him. He's deaf. Amen. Ireneus would say, I, "I see him coming out, and he's got a sword in his hand, and he's slaughtered sixty-eight million because of the of they are they, the, they forcing the Trinity down upon them and killing out and wiping out. But don't don't do that. Don't you know? Don't go there. Be faithful. Stay true. It's the death angel." Paul would say, you know, he's coming on a white horse. I see the enemy in the night. It's an impersonator. It looks like Christ. It ain't Christ. But he's coming in, an insidious spirit coming in without even even arrows to his bow. He's a fake. He's not real. He's not true. He's the antichrist. And he's starting out in the infancy of the church. And William Branham would come in this last day and say, he's an impersonator. And he's a mixture. And he's all three of them combined, the white and the red and the black. And his name is death. And hell follows him. And I'll tell you what, if you want to know what's fixing to happen, hell will follow the coming of this death angel. Amen. man, we're, we're in a very horrible t- hour and a very dark time, but a wonderful hour for those who are called to those who received the message. The Holy Spirit is that watchman who's making ready the people, giving warnings from God. He's been set as a watchman. We see the sick being healed, blinded eyes coming open, deaf ears being unstopped, cripples walking, the lame leaping like a heart. What is it? It's the coming of the Lord pressing on. Amen. That's why I can say, as a watchman from this pulpit, when when we see the Holy Spirit moving among us, hallelujah, when we see him come and change lives, when you see the people becoming desperate for his touch, but not just desperate for his touch, but coming and finding the source of life and being changed in his presence. Amen, that ought to give us something to rejoice about when we see the Holy Ghost moving among us, healing the sick, making the lame walk, making the brain bleeds leave and the blind eyes come open. Amen, come on somebody. Amen, the Holy Spirit moving out among his people as a watchman standing on the wall, influenced by the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you, it's the coming of the Lord. Amen. Hey man, it's what we've been looking for. It's coming. Yeah. And all these things and these warnings and people constantly press on right to their beer parties. They just go right on and say, ah, not know. Have a beer or two. It ah, ha, ha, don't matter how I dress. Ah, ha, ha. You know, and they're using their times of folly and frolic, and they dance, and they eat, and they drink, and they marry, and they're given in marriage just as God said it be, and no way of stopping them. Then you notice in this great church age, according to Revelation three, this age now, one was coming who was given the morning star just before the coming. What scriptural Isaiah was when he said, Watchmen, what of the night? The morning cometh and the night also. The morning comes, but the night comes before the morning. What is it? Anyone knows that just before the break of day, just at the hours of the approaching day, it turns darker than it ever was? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. We ought to take hope this morning. When we look and we see our nation going further into darkness, evil encroaching on every side, atomic warfare and earthquakes and divers places, all kinds of things that are happening, plagues and doctors don't know what to do about that are coming up on the earth, it ought to give a real hope in our heart today to know this darkness has to come before the dawn. Amen. But it is only letting us know there's a light that it's here that is pressing back the darkness. It's making the darkness gather together. Oh, I tell you, who are you gathering with this morning? Amen. Gather with the light. Don't gather with the darkness. Don't let the world push you out into sin, into deeper sin. Get in the light. Oh, my friends, he says, you know, listen to thus saith the Lord. If you consider me to be a servant, it's just before the break of day. That's why this horrible gloom is over the earth. It's just before the coming of the Lord Jesus. There's no more hope left and nothing, but it's coming. Nations are against nations. And they fooled with God's laboratory till they got power to blow one another into atomic ashes. And they're wicked. And they're unreligious. And they're unchristlike. And the only motive they have and objective is to destroy. Listen, they are inspired by the destroying angel that was sent from heaven to inspire these men. Remember, God does that sometimes. When he wanted Ahab to be deceived, remember? Amen. Come a lion spirit out of hell and said, I can do it. said, I'll be a lion spirit in the, in the mouth of his prophets. Amen. And I'll convince him to go down there to Ramoth Gilead and be killed. Amen. To bring to pass the word of the Lord. Listen, God has allowed this society Amen, he's allowed it. They they are inspired by the destroying angel. Can somebody hear me preach? Inspired by the destroying angel that was sent from heaven to inspire these men. God, in other words, has permitted Satan to inspire men with the death angel. Inspiring them. Making video games, movies, every other kind of attraction. Every pornography, every other kind of evil that you can imagine. Proliferating sin. Pushing down righteousness everywhere that you go to get at every person that doesn't have the seal. Let me say in the name of the Lord Jesus the Holy Spirit has sent as a watchman out on the tower, and as the people cry, "What of the night?" people cry, "What of the night?" And I'm tell you, I'm crying, "What of the night." I'm saying, "Are you weary of this life? Is there anybody weary of it? Are you weary of sin? Is there anybody weary of sin? Are you weary of funeral processions? Are you weary of sickness? Are you weary of ungodliness on every hand? Has the night been long and weary? Amen. What are the night watchmen? And he says, the morning cometh. The morning cometh and there'll not be another funeral procession. The morning cometh and there'll be no more prayer for the sick. The morning coming and there won't be another sinner saved. The morning coming and the darkness will be over and we'll be caught up in the middle of the night like Romeo come and got Juliet out of the night and stole her away as a thief in the night. The morning comes. That's the comfort. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Lord himself, the light will come again. The sun will come. He'll descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice, with a trumpet. Look at perfect harmony with the scripture that Isaiah was. In the regular course of nature always that the approaching of the sun congeals the darkness together and makes it dark. It's darker before the day than any other time in the night. Why? It is the approaching light that's making it dark. And it's the approaching of the Lord Jesus now that's a bringing this gloom up on the earth. Did not he say, when these things become to come to pass, lift up your head for your redemption, draweth nigh"? Palestine is a nation. The Jews have learned, returned from all over the earth, and are placed there to see him come as God said they would. Learn the parable of the fig tree when it puts forth its buds. He said, So will it be th- that this generation shall not cease, shall not be done away with, it shall never end until all these things be done. Now it's today that we're living in the watchman. What of the night? He said it would be a time like it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Tell me, aren't they coming out in the night? Aren't they beating on the door everywhere? Aren't they demanding their rights? Aren't they trying to push right down on righteous lots? Amen. To try to force themselves right even into his into his home to defile the very angels of God? Isn't Sodom and Gomorrah on every hand? Isn't it in our schools? Isn't it being pushed in our colleges? Isn't it being pushed in our society? What of the night, it's Sodom out there just before the fire burns. Now, the sun leaving the earth, it leaves the moon to take care. And the moon shines in the absence of the sun because the light that we walk in, the light of the sun reflected from the moon. Now, that's what the church is supposed to do, reflect the presence of of God while the sun is gone. And then when the sun comes up and the moon is gone, just before day, did you notice the moon gets real pale and it goes out? And I'm telling you, the church is already pale. It's anemic. It's got away from the blood. It's got away from salvation and the Holy Ghost and the teaching of the Word, and it's become anemic. Amen. And just because we got a message sign on our churches, don't keep it out. Amen. Because it got away from the blood. They got away from salvation, got away from the Holy Ghost, got away from the real truth of the Word. It goes down. What happens? The sun is approaching. Then the darkest hour of the night is just before dawn. Science claims it's the night. The sun is approaching, pressing, coming on, pressing, congealing the night together because it knows it's got just a little while and the day will break. And just before daybreak, what comes out? The morning star. Amen. Now, the morning star means the brother to the Messiah. Right. He's not the Messiah, he's just a brother to Messiah. And the morning star is a herald of the dawn. He is saying, Look here, amen, I'm up here, I'm above the world, I'm up here, but I'm where the light can shine on me, and I'm shining back to the darkest, darkened night. He's coming. Yeah. Amen. Somebody with me now. That's what God did by sending a prophet. He was a herald of the dawn. He was announcing that the Son, Jesus Christ, is coming back to the earth. And that's why the miracles, the signs, the wonders, everything else, it was announcing that Jesus was coming with his power. He was the Son of Righteousness shining with healing in his wings. Now... Moving the the darkness away. Now, for the church, we too are to be morning stars. We're to be announcing his coming. The light shining on us. Not dark like the world. The light shining on us. Reflecting back to the world that there is a greater light coming. And you are to be a reflection of that light. That's what you're to be doing. And this Passover is reflecting the literal life of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, oh, he said, oh, morning stars, rise and shine. It's time to shine. The coming of the Lord is at hand, reflecting his presence, reflecting the oncoming son, giving the same sign. Jesus said it was as it was in the days of Sodom. It'll be the same thing in the coming of the son of man, the same ministry the son went down in. The same light he went down in is coming in the resurrection power. And the morning star is reflecting that light. And we cry, Watchman, what of the night? The morning cometh, and the night also. And now we're in the dark time. The Laodicean church age, man is lukewarm, not able to stand the things of God. They pull themselves off, separating like it was in the days of Noah. But the morning star shines right on them just the same. The power of God, the Holy Spirit. Though Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do. For I go to my Father. He promised the power. A little while the world will not see me no more, but you will see me then God's light will be reflected in his church and more powerful than ever just before the coming of the Lord Jesus. Watchmen, water the night. Amen. Oh, my. Listen now. I'm going to try to bring down a few more points now. Just hang on. But in the Laodicean age, he says, Yes, this age boasts. See, they're just like the spirit of these impersonators. Boasts of these tremendous stores of worldly goods. But the people are less happy than ever. This age boasts of its spiritual attainments, but people are less sure of themselves than ever. This age boasts of better moral values and more corrupt than any age since the flood. It talks about its knowledge and its science, but it's fighting a losing battle in all fields. For the human mind and soul and spirit cannot comprehend or keep abreast with all the changes that have come up on the earth. In one generation, we've gone all the way from horse and buggy age to the space age. We are proud and boastful about it. But there's a dark, void cavern that is crying out in torment. And without a known reason, men's hearts are failing for fear. And the world is so darkened that this age could be well called the age of neurotics. And it's only getting crazier. It boasts, but it cannot back it up. It cries peace, and there is no peace. It cries great amplitude of all things, and it keeps burning with a desire like an unsatisfied fire. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. They are miserable. That means they're objects to be pitied. Pitied? They scorn pity. They're full of pride. They want what they have, but they, what they have will not stand the test of time. They are built upon quicksand rather than the rock of the revelation of God's word. Soon cometh the earthquake. Soon there will come the storms of the wrath of God in judgment. Then cometh sudden destruction. And in spite of all their carnal preparation, they are still unprepared for what comes on the earth. And I'll just tell you, they can't prepare you for this exodus. And let me just give a message to all the preppers out there that are preparing for all the terrible times coming. You can't build a wall tall enough. You can't dig a hole deep enough. You can't provide enough food, enough weapon. You cannot do it. There's only one thing that will prepare you for what's coming on the earth, and that's the escape that God has provided. It's called a rapture, the coming of the Lord Jesus. I know. I know all about preppers because my family was preppers before it was popular. They 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 went out there, got them hundred and twenty acres where the bride could come, and well, we could escape tribulation and trouble that's coming, and, and all, all of this. And it's not a place of safety. Everything we learn, you know, running after armadillas and how to cook them and heat and possum and raccoon and living off the land and nature and all of that is nonsense means nothing. It amounts to nothing. There's only one thing to prepare you, and that's this preparation I'm telling you about. Get in that secret place with Jesus. You can't fortify your family except behind the blood. You can't protect them. Listen, you can try to protect them all you want to, but you can't protect them from neurotics you can't protect them from demons there's only one thing that protect them and that's the blood that's why every house must come under the blood the seventh watch of the seventh church age the 7th the Son of Man has been revealed The seventh watch comes a messenger the last age as Elijah with a message of restoration Amen. It's is hour of restoration. It's in the seventh watch that the dead in Christ rises. Brother Branham told us, he said, you know, he said that if the bridegroom come in the first watch of the seventh watch, all these, these um, virgins awakened. They were, they awoke the virgins of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Did you notice the seventh day that he came and woke up those sleeping virgins, Now, he's not talking about the foolish. He's talking about those that are dead in Christ, and they're virgins too. And I'll tell you, in this seventh watch, he's going to wake up your loved ones. In the seventh watch, everyone that was virgin and true to the Word and born of the Word will rise again in the seventh watch. In the seventh watch, the rapture takes place. Amen. Oh, brother, don't leave the protection of the seventh angel Amen. and his message. Don't run outside the door yet till the trumpet sounds. Amen. Amen. And is your life worthy of the gospel? He said, he said um, you know, in the seventh watch, that comes with the sound, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And the ones that were sleeping awakened all the way back to Pentecost woke up. From the seventh age, the seventh church age, all the way back through, woke up, and and they these that were in this church age of living, they were changed. Where are you gonna be changed? Right here in the seventh watch. That ought to make you shout this morning. Hey Amen. We don't have three or four more watches to go. There's not more nights to follow this. This is the last watch of the night. And the night, the absence of the sun that has been since Jesus went away is about to end with the rising of the sun, the coming of Jesus Christ back to the earth again to get a bride, a people. And we're here announcing and heralding, amen, amen, that though you laid your loved one down in the grave, you don't have to wait another millennium. You're not waiting another thousand years. Oh, man, you are right here in the hour where the dead in Christ will rise again. Yes. Whether, they were of, whether they were of Ephesus, Smyrna, Laodicea, doesn't matter. They're coming up. But not only are they coming up, in this seventh watch, I just read it to you from the prophet, is your life worthy of the gospel? He said in this seventh watch, the living are changed. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, it's happening from the inside out. Yeah. Did somebody hear what I said? Yeah. It's actually happening from the inside out. Amen. I no, I still got this gray hair. Amen. I, I still got stupid shoulders. Amen. I, I still am being pulled back like gravity pulls it all and everything. You know, your chest falls into your drawers and all of these other things that happen. You know how it is? We're dying on the outside is somebody helping me preach we are dying on the outside but I'll tell you we are renewed on the inside there's been a renewing of the Holy Ghost there's been a refreshing that came from the presence of God that changes our lives Amen, and we're not a people that are dying and getting old on the inside. We are changing from glory unto glory unto glory. And the next day, what is on the inside is going to take over the outside and your body is going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah, and we will gather together with that elect. Of all ages, the morning is about to dawn, and the signs of His appearing is everywhere. Hallelujah. Amen. I know His signs are appearing everywhere. He appeared in Sherman Thomas the other day. He appeared in Angel Coleman the other day. He appeared in your life, in your life, in your life, and he's appearing in you, and you're part of that appearing. He came in you. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a gathering that's going on. He gathered you. He wouldn't leave you out in the world. He moved up on your heart. He dropped you in. You couldn't stay there. Why? Why is that? Because he's appearing. And he's appearing with signs and wonder and healing and miracles. And glory to God, you're one of those miracles that he's appearing in. The Branham as a morning star would say, "It is the rising of the sun. Shalom. Gross darkness is on the people, but you arise and shine, for your light has come. Oh yeah, it's still night, but it's morning. Amen. These things all happen in the Laodicean age." I think you got time for this. Hallelujah. If not, make some time. There's no water up here. Is it out of my sight? Hallelujah. Somebody's got to water the camel. (laughs) Just bring me a glass of water up here. Stir on my desk. These are things happen on the Laodicean age. I just want to go through. And I've, and, I, and I've gathered about 75 things, and every one of these are snippets, just little phrases from Brother Branham's sermons, down through, down, most of them, most of them either from the church age book or from, this, from after the seals. A few scattering here and there, but listen. This all happens in the night, in the last age just before the sun rises would you like to hear it would you like to know what this messenger said of the night just before the trumpet blows for the dead in Christ to rise the messenger the herald of the dawn the one with a message to forerunners coming starts telling us some things about the night. What's happening in the night as we're making ready to leave here. And remember, part of this exodus is the preparation. The staff is in the hand. and The shoes are on the feet. You know, the loins are girded up. You're ready for travel. So part of this Passover is preparations for the journey, getting you ready for a rapture, giving you faith, revelation for a rapture. That's part of the Passover. Now, so all of these are snippets. I may just call them one or two, three, just, but they're not in some chronological order. I've just put them, put them here. God is building in seven church ages a bride for Christ. So all through this night, he's been building a bride. Got one of every age. Thus, the whole of the church ages is God dealing with the Gentiles and calling out a Gentile bride to himself. Now, you know what all this is about. That makes the church ages and the fullness of the Gentiles the one of the same thing. So when the church age is over, the fullness of the Gentiles is over. The Gentile dispensation is to be finished with the church age. The church ages are represented by seven golden candlesticks who walketh in the midst of the candles, seven golden candlesticks. Christ is in their midst. I want you to understand, all, in every church age, Christ is in their midst. Christ walks in the midst of the church. In this Passover, you're not alone. The Lamb is there. His fire is there. The Holy Spirit is present. Behold him who's even now walking in the midst of the churches through all the ages. This very hour, he's walking in the midst of the last age's candlestick. Oh, he's still here. Amen. Well, how is he here? In the form of his Holy Spirit, not in his corporal coming. Now he stands in the midst of the church as he stands there revealing who he is in this last age. With him in her midst, with him motivating her, she becomes a wonderment of all his body, and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Somebody say amen. amen. That's why he could look right down to the last age when all would be over and see himself still in the midst of the church as the author of this new creation. He predestinated them to the adoption of children according to the good pleasure of his will. By his omniscience and omnipotent, he brought it to pass How else could he know that he would be standing in the midst of the church receiving glory from his brethren if he did not make sure? What he was as he walked in the first age, he is even now in this last age. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. For seven out of seven ages... I, he said, I've seen nothing but men esteeming their own word above mine. And certainly that happened among the impersonators. So at the end of this age, I'm spewing you all out of my mouth. It is all over. I'm going to speak all right. Yes, I'm in the midst of the church. The Amen of God, faithful and true, will reveal himself, and it will be by my prophet. In this last day, there is to be a prophet. There is but one prophet messenger to this age. There is one. This one in Revelation ten seven is the seventh age messenger. And in the days of the voice of the seventh messenger, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished as he had declared to his servants the prophet. Notice Revelation 10, to 7. All the mysteries are to be revealed to the bride by the messenger of Laodicean church. We stand in the Laodicean church age. The prophet messenger of Revelation 10, 7 must already be in the land. The seventh messenger, and it is a man, and he's going to be, is to bring a message from God, and his message and ministry is going to finish the mystery of God as he had declared to his servants the prophets. In the days of the Laodicean age, the messenger will reveal the mysteries of God as revealed to Paul. And now in this age, we'll come back to the capstone revelation, the most important revelation of Godhead in the whole Bible. In this days of Laodicean age, the messenger will reveal the mysteries as revealed to Paul. He will bring back the elect of the last day, and they will hear a vindicated prophet give the exact truth as it was with Paul. Listen to the authenticated prophet of God who appears in this last age. What he says from God The bride will say, the spirit and the prophet and the bride will be saying the same thing. And what they say will have already been said in the word. And neither can the word climb above any Laodicean church age. We're in the last age, not back in the Pentecostal age there. We are over here in the last age. And the first age began with the word, which was Christ. And the last age is to end with the word, which is Christ. Those elect with him in that day will be the ones who truly manifest the Lord and be his body and be his voice and perform his works. The people of God are being made ready by the word of truth, by the messenger to this age. Those who receive that prophet and become a bride of the last day, the spirit and the prophet and the bride will be saying the same thing. But it's also a fact that the prophet for the last days must be bringing forth a message from God that will forerun the second coming of the Lord. For by his messenger will the hearts of the, by his message will the hearts of the children be turned back to the Pentecostal fathers. And with the restoration of the word will come the restoration of power. Thus, This church beginning in Acts is God's blueprint for all ages until she closes out in the Laodicean age. Watch it carefully. Let every age take heed for what is going on is only the start. That little tree that was planted is going to grow. It's going to grow through the ages. Then this then is a message for every Christian through every age until Jesus comes. The seventh age, a very short one, very short age, gathers itself and gathers up into itself for one quick work. Yet all the reality of Pentecost in the last age, there will be a group raised up, the true bride of the last day, and she will listen to the Spirit. That word has never failed in the mouth of believing Christians. And in this last age, it's stronger and greater than ever in the true word bride. In her will be the fullness of Pentecost, for the Spirit will bring bringing the people right back to where they were at the beginning. That is thus saith the Lord. God isn't going to plant a new church, but it's going to bring his original planning back to original seed. This is the age of restoration. It is the age of the finished cycle. The Pentecostal age, speaking of Azusa Street, did not restore, but God has to restore because he cannot deny his word. This is not the resurrection of the church. It is the restoration. And God will bring, take the church right back to Pentecost of the beginning. The age of full restoration by another outpouring like in the beginning. In that day of gross darkness, the light will return by the pure word. And we will return to the power of Pentecost. To welcome back the Lord Jesus Christ. For in this, this last age. Is going to go back to manifesting. The pure word bride. Amen. You like these words? Amen. Oh man, they were spoken about right here. This age. This seventh watch. Amen. Now coming down. This is a 45th snippet now. So we come to this last age. The Laodicean age, that is our age. Amen. Amen. We are living on up here to the Bride age of calling out of the church and getting it together for the rapture. That's the age we're now living. We are living in the Laodicean age. We are in the seventh church age before the king takes his throne. We are worshiping now under the Feast of Tabernacles the seventh church age. We are at the end of the seventh church age. When I say the end, that doesn't mean it's this very hour, this very minute. This is the bride age. This is the evening light. This is when Malachi 4 must be fulfilled to follow God's pattern. This is Luke seventeen thirty to be fulfilled. The age in which the true church would be returned to being the bride she was at Pentecost. The first time there will come forth for the bride age, for a resurrection out of dark denominationalism will be a message that the full maturity of the Word has returned back again in its full power. Amen. What a message. I said, what a message. Amen. That, that there's a message. A message of what? That the full maturity of the Word has returned back in its full power. Amen. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. We find the true vine, true spirit, true church people exalted to the very throne of God with the highest compliment ever paid to a humble, steadfast spiritual group. I'm talking about your age. I'm talking about you. The highest compliment ever given. To be given to you. You're going to sit with me on my throne. Yes. Amen. You're going to have a rapture. Amen. Harvest time. This is age. This age is the last of the seven church ages. What began at the first Ephesian age must and will come to full fruition and harvest in the last or Laodicean age. The two vines will yield their final fruit, both the true and the false vine. The corn of wheat, the bride wheat that fell into the ground at Nicaea has come back to the original word grain again. The Laodicean age comes in quickly bringing the wheat to harvest. At just at the end of the Laodicean age, just before Jesus come, the church would go back to go being a word seed bride, being a wheat seed bride again. And now we're right back like all nature, acting right back to the original seed, right from one church age to another. And in this last age here, here we are, right back to the original thing that fell on the day of Pentecost to fulfill ever scripture. The bride, the church will mature and her ripeness will be an identification with the Lord by the means of the word and her head will come to her is the mystery of godliness which indeed is Christ. The original wheat seed of Pentecost was to come back in the last age and it's to mature at Laodicea. Thus the true seed already maturing and then the harvest. The Laodicean age is the harvest time of the gathering of the tares for the burning and the binding and the burning and the gathering of the wheat for the Lord. Yet it is the harvest time and the wheat must also um, also must mature. And to her, God is sending the prophet and messenger with a vindicated ministry that he might be accepted by the elect. They will hear him as the first church heard Paul, and she will mature in the word until becoming a word bride. And the mighty works will be found in her that's always attended upon pure word and faith. Oh, listen to this. It's not only that, but this is resurrection hour, rapture hour. It was the seventh age when he came and woke up all those sleeping virgins, the dead in Christ he's talking about. Through the ages, the years, the ages, he's built a bride, born a bride, begotten a bride on, on earth for Christ. From this seventh age, the seventh church age, all the way back through, woke up. And these that were in this church age of living, they were changed. And it was raptured the seventh, showing that it's the seventh church age that takes a rapture. Now there's no doubt we're in the seventh church age. We all know it. Now the seventh church age that takes a rapture. We we know him as much as our limiting senses can let us. But one day it will be face to face. He is coming. This is, that is for this age. He is coming at the end of this age. And partial realization will be made perfect realization, completed realization. Amen. Hallelujah. Partial realization. Oh, brother, I don't care how much you know about him. I don't care how much you've learned about him. I don't care how much you've experienced. It's still only partial. But we're living in the hour there's going to be a people come to face yeah. to face Amen. with Jesus Christ yeah. in the corporal coming yeah. face to face. What's it going to be like? Partial realization will give way to perfect realization. This is the last warning. There will not be another. The Spirit will not speak in another age. So oh, we're in the age past. The Spirit won't speak there. The ages are over. But thank God at this moment, this age is not over. Laodicea, it hasn't ended. When it ends, the church is gone. So as long as the church is here, It hasn't ended. Are you here? Age is still going on. The bride, when she's taken from the church, the church age will cease. Laodicea goes into chaos. The bride goes to glory. And the tribulation sets in. Watchman, what are the night? What do we expect in this time? Do we just look to perpetuate and go into another another watch where there's no other watches? The last watchman has already came and described and told us what happens in this watch. What was it for? It was to make you ready. And he tells you that you must be under the token that the Holy Ghost must be applied. And it must be the, more than just the initial striking of blood. And you just go through life as though nothing happened. This is the coming of the Lord. And you'll either have the goods or you'll be left behind. This is a time of impersonation and acting like it. And pretending will get you nowhere. Nowhere. But the tribulation. This is a time that calls for more sincerity, more dedication, more consecration. But the musicians come. Because of rejecting the message of the Exodus, there will be many. Many left behind. Like I said, in Egypt there was a mixed multitude. They left with Israel, but not this time. Only those that are washed in the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, will go in this rapture Exodus. You see, in that time, anybody could kill a lamb, put their blood on the door, and get behind it and escape the death angel. It was physical. So you could be an Egyptian and go kill a lamb, put this blood. You could go and you could also eat the lamb, the Passover, do all, you could go through all the acts. But in this time, it ain't possible. It's not a literal blood. It's the Holy Ghost. And that Holy Ghost is required to go in this rapture to escape the coming judgments. And those judgments will begin At the resurrection of the dead. Now I'm gonna leave you with something. The Bible tells you they spent all their time burying their dead. Won't you just stand with me right now? They spent their time burying their dead. There will be mourning. And death and dying all over the land of Egypt when morning dawns. The six sealed judgments of God began in a spiritual manner. When the church of Laodicea rejected the message, it'll turn physical. The things that they did in the plagues against the Jewish people driving which simply drove them back to their homeland, will return in vengeance as vials are poured out. And if you look at the vials and the trumpets, they parallel each other. What happened in the water here happened in the water there. And they parallel each one of them all the way down to the seven trumpets and the seven vials. And what they did to God's people in the trumpets, the that only served to drive Israel back to their homeland, where they murdered and killed six million Jews, and no telling how many other people. It'll be turned back in vengeance as the wrath of God begins to fall on this world, and the vials of judgment are poured out. It'll turn physical. The rejection of the message for their deliverance began the judgment on the church in a spiritual manner and forced out of people out of the church to go back to their homeland that we've been preaching about. And it will turn physical. They'll pay for their rejection. And the church, who thinks they're under the blood but didn't really apply the blood, you see, they, maybe they just got it in one realm or another and they never come into Passover in that hidden life but went on about just frolic, will go into the tribulation and be punished for her deeds of rejecting the atonement of the blood that could have saved them. That's what's happening in this dark hour. Now then, Matthew 27, 51. Play that song, he's coming soon. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened and many of the bodies which slept arose and came out of the grave after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. This is what happened in that resurrection. A word appeared is a word impanzo which means they showed oneself come to view and was seen appeared by to many came out of the graves let me read you a little quotation from the sixth seal we should have visualized now it's the last night it's the last watch of the night we're eating the Passover staff is in our hand we're prepared to leave as soon as the trumpet sounds. The sixth seal, God, let the people be quickly awakened, Lord. Those who have their names on the book of life when this light, when this flashes across her path, may they see like the little ill-famed woman at the well that day. She recognized it quickly, and she knew it was Scripture. Now, Father, I pray that you'll receive, that all will receive you at this time in their hearts and will settle it forever in this hour. That they're finished with sin. That arise and make preparations now for public confession of the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sin to show they believe God has forgiven them and they take on the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, pour down the holy oil, Spirit of Holy Spirit of oil upon them that they may be placed in the, servants of the service of the Lord, that they may be workers in this last day. But we realize that we have just a short time and the church might go at any time. The Lamb might at any time leave the sanctuary up there and the throne of sacrifice, come forward from the throne of God with the sacrifice laid and then it's over. There's no more hopes of the world she's finished. then, She goes into frustrations of great spasms of earthquakes and great shakings like was at the resurrection, like I just read about. And as Christ rose from the grave, when the saints rise, the same thing will take place. Lord, it could be at any minute. We are watching for that glad day to arrive. Take your children under your arms, Father, now. Draw your little lambs to your bosom. Grant it and feed them on the Word till they're in strength for service. I want you to think of this. The sounding of the trumpet. When Jesus rose, the dead, and Christ rose with him, appeared to many. The Bible said it was a great earthquake. Brother Brandon said the same thing will happen again. Do you realize we've been waiting on one prophecy? I mean, this man, this man's prophesied accurate time on time and time again over and over and over. Never failed one time. Stood there in 1965, choosing of a bride. He said, there's a bride being chosen. you got to have the characteristics of Christ. He's coming for a virgin, somebody to be true to him. Then he spoke about Los Angeles. How long you'll, you'll hang over like a sandbar. She's quaking beneath you now. The works had been done in Sodom done and done in you. You, you know, this Sodom would have repented, but you would not. You don't know what hour you'll be laying at the bottom of the sea. And right now, we're just looking. They're calling it. They're calling it as swarms of earthquakes. It's trembling everywhere. Just hit over again in the Mojave Desert of Seven point something to that earthquake and they said the big one hadn't hit we don't know what's gonna happen when it does But I'll tell you what we know this the dead in Christ gonna rise and this parallels exactly that coming and there's an earthquake about to hit the world will go into nervous frustrations the sixth seal will open with every kind of judgment can imagine. Every Satan will be cast out of heaven as the bride goes up. He'll have a short time of darkness upon the earth before the millennium day dawns. That's when Jesus is coming back to earth again. I want to ask you: Are you ready for that coming? Have you come in the Passover? Are you really in that fellowship? I want you to think about it. Gotta meet a desperate soul. When you come in and you say, I've got to meet that God. You can't go in on mom and dad's experience or somebody else's. You've got to know Christ yourself. We can't just paint them a fire. We've got to have something real here. You can't cook lamb with a painted fire. Can't serve it raw. Got to come to the right temperature. And I'm asking you, where are you at with Christ? You make your call in election, sure, today. The other day, I stood at this pulpit, told you about Brother Branham binding the serpent, and him taking the Bible, and he said, Lord, my children are coming. They'll wake up any moment just let me find a place in the Scripture. And it opened right there to 1 Corinthians that I read. Purge out that old leaven. Christ is our Passover. You've got to have that sincerity and truth. When I read, when I realize that even some old-timers are letting the blood get off the door, I'm asking you, isn't it time for a fresh application of it? Isn't it time for a renewing of the Holy Ghost in your own life? Won't you ask him to do it? Won't you draw nigh to God? He'll draw nigh to you. Hey man, we know he's coming soon. You just can't play with it. The death angel's after you. You may just be one step ahead, but he'll get you. But he can be bound. There's got to be a church alive and remain that can bind that death angel. They can say, Oh God, have mercy on my brother. And no, they've been given the power to bind Are you ready to, to walk into that sincerity? I'm asking this church are you, are you ready as a church people to come in that sincerity and that dedication with God? Are you ready for a rapture? Is there a rapture atmosphere already in your heart? That your heart's going to come and you're not a scoffer? You're not just ridiculing, you're not just sitting back lukewarm, but you're on fire for God. Ask him with all your heart. And he has come in soon. He's come.